some bad news. I know it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark. Fire me. Fire me. How you think they going to feel when they introduce your boys as the new WWE, Undisputed, Tag Team, Champion. Oh, no, Oos, they might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh, yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still might be hating on the Uso. Hating on us. Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. Yeah. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So, for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly... Got a lot of things I need to explain, but baby, you know the name, and love is about pain, so stop the complaints and drop the order restraints. Our sex life's a game, so back me down in the pain. I can't wait no more. Cause this is about a quarter past three, and sure days I mean, I got the Bentley Ballet, and I'm just outside of Jersey, past the Palisades, and I love to see that some boots and shades float out on the bed while I'm yanking your braids. Thug style, you never thought I'd make you smile while I'm smacking your all wild, we share something so rare, but who cares? You cares, baby. I'm not always there when you call, but I'm always on time, and I gave you my all. Now, baby, be mine. I'm not always there when you call, but I'm always on time, and I gave you my all. Now, baby, be Girl, mine. Get a grip, come on, pull it together. It's only a sun shower. We've been through worse weather like that. Storm me like you wrote a dead job letter. And took my bends and keyed and cut the leather. But you know better. Either MOB, money over murder, INC. I got two or three for every V. And I keep them drugged up off that. I'm a playground legend like Kirkland Pee Wee. They my in the league got more game than me. I play harder. So many women I bothered. Meet them with scars and sit them home hot and bothered. Truth to dare. This life ain't apparently fair. And a love with no glare is a crystal stare. But we share something so rare. But who cares? You can't, baby. I'm not always Yeah. And I gave you my own yeah. Now 
us who bond together. We go back like mama's boot when the coldest weather. And when I play, you play the same way. You freak me, baby. I'm you crazy, then I'm gone. Baby, don't really want me to get up and leave off that easy. Should be waking up wet for she's a Remind me the mind independence, believe me. Pip game is very religious. And I'm built like a Don Bishop. Go keep this. Money green pens in my home. is my witness. The life we share is a thug affair. But who cares? You can't, baby. Welcome to episode 335 of the Hoops Podcast. It's Thursday, November 10th, 2022. It's yours truly, the one and only nefarious brother, Adam, a.k.a. Joshi Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter, if you like, at the Hoops Podcast. This podcast drops you free of charge every single Thursday, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as we're on the road to 100,000 uh, 100, uh, subscribers. And... Um, Subscribe to the channel. I upload guitar covers. I um, you get all the new editions of the podcast, obviously. It may some new features coming up soon. Um, but subscribe to our YouTube channel will mean a lot to us. And more importantly, subscribe to our podcast on the audio platforms too. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like or dislike about the Who's podcast. And I'm always open to uh, valid criticism if there is any. And um, we want this to be the best show it can be for all of you. And I'm very uh, appreciative and grateful for every single one of you who take the time out uh, your day to listen to this podcast. It's going to be a little different vibe today. Um, Brother Carter is going to be via satellite for the remainder of this month. So you're probably just going to get more from the audio clip version, whether it's the Armada Best segment or the Thoughts of Derrico. There's no Thoughts of Derrico today, unfortunately, but uh, Burkhardt did send in a clip for uh, our AEW segment, so be on the lookout for that. And um, you can follow his work at DerrickStyle.com. Uh, you can check out my transcripts, if you like, at ProSCTranscriptions.com. And we're going to have a little different vibe today. I'm going to try a little something different. Uh, for those who are just listening to the audio version of the podcast right now, you can't see me, but I'm holding my acoustic guitar right now. And we're going to do a little something different. Um, I was thinking about this a lot, and when I reflect on the show, I want to make sure that our segments are not just running its course and it's like the same thing over and over and over again. I like to spice it up here and there. And uh, this is a risk, man. <laughs> Hopefully this works. Maybe it doesn't, but I'll think about this. You know, we call it the back porch Q&A session. I always say each and every single week for those, especially who are watching or listening for the first time. The main intention with this podcast is to make you feel like we're sitting next to you in a back porch setting or around a bonfire. We're talking about professional wrestling. But what's one of those missing elements in those type of settings outside of like really hard conversations or, you know, shooting the shit or for people who drink or smoke or whatever, whatever, whatever the setting is for your like intimate, just relaxed environments. It's music. Right. And I was planning to do this towards the end of the segment, but I figured it'd be better off to start off with a bang. Right. So 
I'm not processing this is gonna be a weekly feature. If you like it, if it comes through good audio-wise, maybe we'll do it and continue on. But um my goal here for this week is to give you guys two songs to start off uh <laughs> the pod this week to try something different. And then I'll get to the questions. And this is a treat for all of you for supporting the podcast. And this is also for um, uh, everybody who watches the recording of these uh, segments on Facebook as well. So I really appreciate the support. And uh, got a lot of wrestling stuff to get to, as always. We got Crown Jewel to review. Um, Just a lot of stuff in the world of professional wrestling. But I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me, as always. I really do appreciate the support. So... With that being said, the two songs I'm going to play for you today is uh, the first one here is going to be called Falling Slowly by Glenn Hansard, a popular uh, folk guitar player, uh, well known for his group, The Swell Season. Um, I always say, uh, for those who don't know The Swell Season, you guys should check out the song Low Rising. I heard, I first heard of The Swell Season on uh, How I Met Your Mother, and I fell in love with the band ever since. And this is their main popular song. This song, uh, Falling Slowly, comes from their um, Oscar-winning musical film called Once. I think it came out about 15 years ago, something like that. And then after that, they play a song by James Blunt called uh, Goodbye, My Lover. Now, when it comes to these musical performance sessions, I may or may not sing. Maybe you could tell, maybe you won't. We'll have to see. <laughs> but we're going to give this a shot, and this is my gift to all of you guys. Usually I don't come on here and play the guitar for you guys on the podcast, and um, I miss playing it. I should be playing my guitar more and expressing that because that's probably my main gift I've ever been granted for the man upstairs is uh, this instrument here. And um, I should use it, right? Why not? So let's give this a shot. So... Welcome, everybody, to the Backports Q&A session. We're going to start this uh, adventure today with Falling Slowly by Glenn Hansard. Hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. 
I said no and I can't go back and lose that take me and erase and I have suffered enough and warred with yourself it's time that you That's the first one that's uh, falling slowly. Hope you guys enjoyed that. All right. Um, let's do uh, our next one we're going to do here is called uh, Goodbye, My Lover by uh, James Blunt. <laughs> Goodbye, my love. Goodbye, my friend. 
so much. Alright. Got that. Oh, damn. Boom. Alright. I guess we can get started here. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully that came in good. So, um, we're going to start off with this. So, it's open to suggestions as well. If there's ever any songs you want me to play. Um, you guys could go check those out as well. So we're going to start off as we usually do here on the back porch Q&A session. We're going to start off with the good bird, Chris Zaletta at X Scenes, Zaletta24X, throw up the X here on the machine. And Chris starts us here with <laughs> this. What up, Boots? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. How great has it been watching this Packers losing streak? Rubbin? <laughs> Uh, I don't know what's better, uh, partaking in waterfall or seeing the Packers choke. Um, 
I think equal. I think they're probably equally as satisfying. I haven't really partaken in it yet myself, but regardless, uh, I I um, <laughs> seeing the Packers struggle is a much much uh, a delight, and it makes my day, it makes my week, and I uh, it just. <laughs> It's it's a good time. It's a very very good time when the Packers lose, and rightfully so. So many years we've had to deal with pundits and so called experts say every year Aaron Rodgers is going to go on a scorched earth tour and he's going to win a Super Bowl and Packers are Super Bowl favorites and yada yada yada. Hey man, this man's been a. I say it a lot. The guy's been on a revenge tour ever since I was a junior in high school, and I'm 28 right now. So just think about that. You would think by now the so-called greatest quarterback of all time would probably win more rings by now. But hey, it is what it is. Enjoy your ayahuasca, Aaron. Who would you like to see booked in the Mets War Games match at Survivor Series? Good question. Um, I'm gonna go. Um. I'm going to go with the bloodline, just the, the contingent of bloodline, any contingent of, you know, having Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens. You know, you could throw the New Day in there if you want it, if you want to make it work that way. Uh, the New Day, I got it. Here's your War Games match. You got the bloodline, right? You got... Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle, The New Day, and Kevin Owens. There's your men's war against match. It's heard it here first for me. Drew McIntyre, Riddle, The New Day, and Kevin Owens against the bloodline. That's your match. If they do something with Cross and McIntyre 3, uh, I can, maybe you could put Sheamus in there just because of the fact that what happened to him injury-wise. I can see that. Um, maybe you could do Brawling Brutes and New Day. I don't know. Um, but if it was me, I would do uh McIntyre, Riddle, New Day, and um Kevin Owens. So that would be my pick. No. <laughs> All right, next question here. Who will be the final entries for both women's teams for the war games? Good question. I think it's going to be either uh, Rhea Ripley or possibly Tegan Knox. Look, I know uh, this will be a topic, and a, a jokey topic, if you will, later on in uh, What the Hell's Wrong with AW, but I know the scuttlebutt every day. It's like, uh, oh, when's Sasha Banks going to pop up? When, oh, she's going to return here. Oh, she's going to show up in AW. <laughs> Sasha makes this, Sasha makes that. Look, I like the chick. She's a good performer. I don't think she's as highly rated as most of you people on Twitter think she is, but I don't have anything against her personally. Obviously, a talented performer, super, super hot. But um, for me, it's not really my difference towards Sasha as a character. It's more towards her fans, to be honest with you, at the end of the day. And honestly, to tell you, Chris, I don't give a shit whether she comes back or not. <laughs> I just got to be—I gotta keep it 100 with you. I, I enjoy and respect what she's done and brought to the WWE. But at the same time, I really don't care whether she comes back or not. I really don't. Um, who do you think wins the world title gimmick? Her name is Fernand Burnham Eliminated Tournament. Um... Well, <laughs> I can. I, he, I know Tony Khan wants AEW to have that 
uh, perception like New Japan where they have tournaments that matter and 150 million titles. Here's the thing. New Japan does a lot of tournaments and they have a lot of titles, but those tournaments actually mean something and those titles along with it mean something as well. So they just did a tournament to crown the vacant champion, right? And then they did Punk and Moxley and All Out. Then they had the tournament of champions just to fight who's going to fight each other at Grand Slam, right? In between that time, we've had a tournament for the Trios Championship. We had a tournament for the AEW Interim Women's Championship. Right there, I just rattled off five different tournaments that happened in the span of three months. Three months. <laughs> and now we got the tournament for the, I guess, the number one contender whoever wins this tournament is going to fight uh, mid-Moxley at Winter is Coming. And they got some interesting choices. Ricky Sarks is fighting Lance Archer. We'll see what happens on Rampage with Brian Cage and Dante Martin, which is probably a good match. Uh, Bandito gets rushed. There's good performers, but honestly, does it matter at the end of the day? And secondly, I, I want to throw this out there too. Do any of you believe that anybody from this tournament is going to beat John Moxley or NJF by the time winter is coming? Well, I'll tell you this is if MJF is winning the title at full gear or mid gear, as I'm calling this pay per view, if MJF is the champion, Dante Martin will probably win this uh, tournament. If John Moxley wins, it'll probably be either Bandito or Rush. I'd love to see Lance Archer get his chance, but we know by now that's a that's a lost cause. <laughs> So I, I just don't see it happening either way. Uh, I think for me, it's definitely going to be probably Dante Martin winning this eliminated tournament. But again, does it really matter at the end of the day? I know this has been like a yearly tradition for them to do these tournaments going into full gear. But just because you have a tournament doesn't mean you have to do tournaments. At least have them work something. Um, next question. That's a great one, but by the way, Chris. Um would you rather see someone from WWE's past be a surprise in the world this year or like to see someone outside of the company like from Impact, New Japan, or like soon-to-be free agent like Nick Aldis? Hmm. No, the Rumble's coming up, shouldn't it? That, that's an interesting question, man. I mean, I think the need and the, sati- the satiation of bringing somebody from the past into these Rumbles has been more of a theme over the last 15 years. When I look back at Rumbles uh, when I was growing up as a kid during the Attitude Era, I, I could very recall very few returns. Like you have your Mr. Perfects of the world here and there, or I think uh, Bob Backlund was uh, entrant one year. Um, but most of the times it was featuring the people from the current roster. Um, I, this thing, I, I like to keep the, the female performance from the past, make that more of an emphasis in the women's, uh, rumble matches for death purposes. But, um, from the men, yeah, I, I would like to see if it's somebody from Impact or New Japan. Nick Aldis is a good, uh, good choice. 
maybe uh, Chris Masters, the masterpiece. Um, Moose. I, I, you think Josh Alexander will be in the uh, the Royal Rumble? I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, Sammy Callahan would probably won't be in the Rumble, even though that probably get a good pop. Um, yeah, it's very very tricky. Speaking of tricky, this let's go to uh, Chris's next question here. He says thoughts on the NWA Nick Aldis situation. Um, it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, I've been following along with it, uh, over the last couple of months. It's not been a new issue. It's been going on for about four or five months. And, um, I think it's unfortunate, but I also think that's just the state of affairs of the general professional wrestling landscape. A lot of people think it's kumbaya or this big boon period because AW exists. We're still having the same issues collectively outside the sports entertainment bubble as it was, whether it's Lucha Underground, where they don't have enough people watching their shows, or uh, the networks don't want to give them money, uh, stuff with Impact with Dixie Carter and Pop TV and Global Force Wrestling and Ring of Honor. Guys, if we want to be honest, here's, here's your hot take of the week. We're not in a boom period of professional wrestling. We have a new... We have a dirt cheap vanity project on TNT cosplaying as an alternative wrestling company. There's your hot take of the week. Nothing's really changed, especially since I started doing shows like this in 2013 when I first started going into broadcasting school. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. WWE is still here, and everything that claims to be an alternative is trembling on waters of, okay, we have some stability, yet we have backstage drama. We got issues with promoters and wrestlers. We got fights. We got idiots setting themselves on fire at indie shows. We got Nimrods getting pinned by dogs. We got (laughs) your Effies of the world and the freaking outlawed mud show that is GCW. Not much has really changed. We got a lot more wrestling. I, I guess that's a good thing. But this stuff with the NWA and Nick Aldis is a, 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 a even further um, example of where the state of the pro wrestling bubble is at as opposed to where the sports entertainment bubble is. And it's unfortunate. Billy Corgan and Nick Aldis really brought the NWA back to some type of relevance. I still cover the brand each week. I do Power and USA every single week. I cover all the shows. I'll be covering uh, Hard Times 3 coming up this Saturday, which is their pay-per-view. I enjoy the product for a lot of good things, but there's a lot of things that they need to improve on. And I can understand Nick Aldis' frustrations. I could also understand where some of the points that Billy Corey has made about his situation with Nick where he feels like in some ways Nick is trying to angle himself as a martyr and try to have sympathy towards him when, and honestly, he wants NWA to be involved just around him and only him. So it's a, it's internal conflict. I, I'm a big fan of Nick Oz. I've said it a thousand times on this show. The guy's phenomenal. He's been one of the best world champions in the last 10 years. And I think he's talented. Um, I, I, I would believe that WWE or AEW would enjoy having Nick Aldis on their roster, but 
That's unfortunate. And especially going into pay-per-view, especially your last pay-per-view of the year, you don't want this stuff to be clouding around your product. And and <laughs> I think they're both equally at wrong at this situation, if you want my honest opinion. And I just think it puts NWA in a bad light. <laughs> Put all the shit with Tyrus and all that stuff to the side. That the thing with Tyrus, people just don't like him because he's a Republican and he works at Fox. That's the only reason why people don't want him to have success in NWA. Like, I don't give a shit who you really like vote for or which side of the political fence you're on. That's not going to preclude me from not enjoying your work or want to see you succeed. Yeah, I make my jokes about Chris Jericho and his wife, the whole January 6th appreciator things. Yeah, that January 6th stuff was stupid, and I'm not for that MAGA stuff. But my bigger issue with Chris Jericho is him talking out both sides of his ass and how he carries himself outside the ring. And his on-screen product has been left a lot to be desired, to be honest with you. And when I look at this stuff with NWA, if your only issue with the NWA is the fact that Tyrus is a Republican and that he works on Fox News, I think you got bigger issues to fry from there. Outside of that, the NWA and Nick Aldis, I, <laughs> hey, they're giving the guys release. He's got to wait his 50 days, and then we're going to go from there. I, I really don't know what else to say to that, to be honest with you. But sh- shout out to our boy Sam Pilbo in the, uh, the chat box here, hot takes. Hey, Sam, you like that one? <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> oh, man. Let's go to the next question. Ooh, LA Knight or Austin Theory versus John Cena at WrestleMania, if it was up to you? Man. <laughs> oh, man. My my hang-up here is only if what where are you featuring John Cena towards the road to WrestleMania? That'd be my question back to you, Chris. Because if he's on Raw, then it's Austin Theory. If it's on SmackDown, it's either Drew McIntyre for me or LA Knight. Um, I think Drew McIntyre and John Cena could have a good match. Oh, you can even throw Cross and John Cena as a match if you want to do that. I, I don't know if I would. I'm just tossing out ideas out here. We're we're, we're booking out loud here, you know. <laughs> but for me, like I I right now, I probably say I'm gonna go with LA Knight. It fits with the name. It's in the setting. He's from that California wrestling scene. John Cena got his start in wrestling in the California area. It only makes sense for there. I can definitely see John Cena and Austin Theory. Possibly being John Cena's last WrestleMania match. Just because it doesn't happen in 39 doesn't mean that the match between those two won't happen. Who knows? Let's say let's let's say that Austin Theory is the one to end John Cena's career. Whenever that WrestleMania is. Does it have to be a WrestleMania 39? We'll have to see. We got a lot of questions. Um, about the Austin Theory failed cash-in this week. And I'm going to say that for my thoughts in this week in WWE. So I, I got it from everybody that sent questions. We got I really do appreciate you guys asking. I just think it'd be more important to have that conversation in that segment where I can just expound on it, what I need to say, and then go from there. But 
Chris said, say here, theory catching and Rollins in a way made sense looking at the situation. He wasn't beating Roman. Raw doesn't have a world title. Seth Rollins is the second best act in WWE. U.S. title, current top title on Monday night, right? I'm starting to see it today. Could this be the start point to getting Theory, Cena, possibly at Mania? Again, I'm going to address this in this week in WWE. Uh, There's a bigger issue that went over everybody's head that happened on Monday night. And I just think people were looking for a reason to be fake mad. And I, I've been a fan of Austin Theory, and we're going to get into this, but we, you want to talk about Fickle fickle Universe. It, it was out in full droves on Monday night. I'm just going to tell you that because I was amazed at the volume of the reaction towards that cash-in. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have a conversation, okay? Let's just say that. Uh, the last question here for um, Chris, he says, what should happen with the money to bank briefcase going forward? Should it go away for a bit or continue by showcasing the match at Mania? Um, I, I think you could scrap the pay-per-view if you don't want to do it. Um, but to say just to scrap the idea just because Austin Derry didn't cash in and become a champion, I, I think it's a flawed way to look at it. You know, yeah, it's, it's sacred. It's... It, I think for me, the only gimmick match that you're required to have your title match when it happens that should matter and it's not linear or fluid is the Royal Rumble. When it comes to money in the bank, just because you're cashing on something, cashing in on something, means you're going to have a good return on investment. That's a life lesson, too, by the way. Not all your purchases in life are good. <laughs> I think you have to be smart and cognizant of those decisions. And I, I think when it comes to the money to bank, I've been kind of surprised. This thing's been around for 17 years, and now we have the implement of cashing in towards um, mid-card titles. Now, if this is the whole thing with the regime change and they want to make the Eric Connell Championship, the U- U.S. title, have more relevance and get up to an even higher prestige than it's been in the last 10 years, Cool, I don't have a problem with that. I, I really don't. But um, but just the idea that it only could be world championships that the money debate could be cashed in on, I think it's an out, outdated way to look at it. And it's made that briefcase become a predictable device that either puts you in the corner or you know <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna get the outcome you're looking for because it's I feel like with Austin Theory's case, and this is the only thing I'll say about this now, I just feel like uh, Theory having the briefcase was Vince McMahon's last FU towards the fans that were shitting on him. Uh, not towards Vince, but shitting towards Theory when he was getting into his program with Pat McAfee. If anything, and that was probably Vince's last big decision before he left, was that, hey, you know what? You did your business. You sold the stunner at WrestleMania, all that. You here's your prize and here's your reward for that. Now it's we're in a different playing field. We haven't had a money to bank ladder match under Triple H's vision. What does that look like? How does that go from there? There's a lot, there's a lot of different things to think about than I than what's on the surface. That's all I'm saying. But great questions, Chris. As always, I appreciate you, brother. You never miss. Speaking of never missing, we got a good brother, uh, Sam Piopo at Second City. Sam on Twitter, you're going to get to your questions, my man. 
Oh, man. Water. Can't go wrong with water. H2O and waterfall. The two best things that life ever produced. All right. <laughs> Questions for the show. Oh, boy. How do all these clans on Chicago sports radio stations and the Bears beat get these jobs when they're so all when they're all so inept? Well, <laughs> I could ask a better question myself. Um, I think a lot of the big reasons why I talk about, you know, what my future looks like. And I think also another reason why I wanted I wanted to move is because of the fact that with what I want to do in my career, this city doesn't offer it. It doesn't offer for the stuff I want to do. Yeah, I can work from here and home and do my articles to like croak, but am I satisfied with what I really want to do in my life? No, I'm not. And when I look at these, um, I look at the beat right now and I look at the city and how the hiring practices are concerned. Uh, maybe there's some holdover resentment that I've held within. With, with with myself for the fact that my position got canceled the last job interview I had with ESPN 1000 a couple years ago. That still pisses me off because I didn't get a response back. Um, I get it. You want to transition to different companies, but at least have some a professional courtesy to say, you know, you're not going to get hired or whatever. Got my whole hopes up. I was going through a really rough patch in that time period. I've mentioned it at nauseum. You guys know what's going down. And I really thought that that opportunity would really like, you know, like really uh, lift things up for me. And I, I not only for that reason, but I felt like I fucking earned it. You know, like I've had multiple job interviews for the same position at both the score and ESPN 1000. And you, you get told that you're more than qualified for the position yet. <laughs> Here I am. I'm not. I'm not working at these stations. I'm still doing my thing. I still value my craft. Yeah, I haven't ran a board in about five or six years, but I still think I know what I know. <laughs> and I, I graduated first in my class at the school. I busted my ass. I know how this field works. But what I'm probably not what they're looking for. And we're talking about radio. It's not TV. It's not. It's not a looks thing. It sure as fuck ain't a worth ethic thing. It ain't that. And it, is it an age thing? It's not my ma- maturity. I, <laughs> I I get confident for being too mature at times. Yeah, we have this podcast that I'm more freewheeling and open and just have open dialogue with you because this is a podcast and we're just hanging out. But I, the hiring practices, if you think about this, the current on-air staff at both stations – Average around 42 years old. If you do it collectively, uh, the people who are at the current station right now, they have on-air jobs. And also, if you want to add the reporters on the Bears beat, the collective medium age of people in those positions are around 42 to 44 years old. And that issue permeates... Through the airwaves. I'll be honest with you. I don't listen to 1000 anymore. I don't listen to the score. The last thing I heard about ESPN 1000 is that now they're going to be carrying the Bears games. 
Austin. I know they're they're the new home for the White Sox too, right? I don't listen to the shows anymore. I don't listen to the station anymore. Waddle and Sylvie is not a good listen. Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes is not a good show. <laughs> if the if what if these if what these stations are looking for are out of touch snarky attitudes with an attitude that they're above everybody that lives in the city and that they act like their shit don't stink. More power to you. More power to you program directors. But there needs to be a fundamental shift in how the media is constructed here because, to be honest with you, it's flat out embarrassing. Go out of your way. For anybody that's not a Chicago Bears fan, go out of your way to listen to – go on YouTube and type in a Bears press conference, like an end-of-season end of one where you just have the GM and the general manager, and listen to the quality of questions – that second biggest market in the country provides for the charter franchise of the NFL. And tell me you think you're getting what this city deserves of coverage, of media, et cetera, et cetera. Love Cap. Love Hoodie. Hoodie's my guy. I love love David Kaplan. I'm not saying that everybody in this current radio market sucks. I'm not saying that. But whether it's the out-of-touch 40, 50, and 60-year-olds who are hogging the fucking microphones, especially at the score, and snarky-ass producers in their mid-30s are now on-air hosts, is that is that what you want, Chicago? <laughs> I mean, what, what are we doing here? I don't... I, I don't, uh, t- to be honest with you, I don't know what the city's looking for anymore because the fact that this, especially the score in 1000, the fact that you have the same people on air hosting your main shows for over 15, 20 plus years, yeah, cool, great. How about give some other people a fucking opportunity? What happened to the top of the hour news hits when Ray Flores was doing that with the sports updates? What happened to that? What happened to internships? What happened to expanding your reach? The only thing that gets extra bonus content is more Sylvie because that's what we need. We need more Mark Silverman and his pansy ass. We need more Mark Silverman. Yeah, that's what we need. We need more Mark Silverman. <laughs> Something's got to change. I don't. I don't listen to one thousand anymore. It's it's unbearable, especially on the Bears beat when it comes to reporting the snarkiness from Jason Leisure. Why? Uh, Mark Potash. Why? Patrick Finley. Why? That freaking stooge and clown Dan Weederer. Why? It's not good. It's not. I feel like the city is doing us a disservice in a way it's covered. And I don't think any of us are becoming smarter sports fans by listening to the crap that we have to listen to on both of these radio stations and what we have to listen to in these media scrums. And that's just my opinion. So that's my answer to that question. (laughs) 
All right. Let's go to the next question. For the rest of the season, would you rather see the Bears win with Justin Fields playing New Yorker or lose with Justin Fields looking like the next big game? Um, man. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those sort of fans that are all about it has to be this or that. I, and I'm also not for taking, but to answer your question, I'd probably say it lose with look with Justin looking the way he is. Honestly, I just try to see the season play out with the way he's playing right now. Whether they win or not, it's not really a priority for me. Um, but if I had to choose one, I'd probably say lose with Fields looking like the next big thing. Three most hated teams in each sport that you follow. Um, Green Bay Packers, um, Los Angeles Lakers, can't stand them. And then who else? Uh, (laughs) There's a lot to choose from. Oh, Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, You have Packers. Lakers and um, Brooklyn Nets. Three teams that you secretly cheer for for any sport. Um, that I secretly cheer for. Um, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I always said that the Ravens are like my uh, ASC team if I have to pick one. Uh, Ravens has always been the team that I uh, root for. Um, baseball, man, for some reason, I've always like, I always rocked with the Mariners. Maybe it's because I played for the Mariners in all my like pre-level school, like baseball teams and stuff when I was playing baseball growing up. So I always had like a soft spot for the Seattle Mariners. And then hockey is actually, um, the Penguins. Yep, it's it's the jerseys for me. Uh, I like the I like the Penguins a lot. Well, one thing you would not see me cheer for is the Detroit Red Wings because <laughs> first off, Detroit sucks, and secondly, I am not a Red Wings fan. That could that could also be fitting into that last question you asked there. So, <laughs> Red Wings suck. Um, let's go to the next question here. Who do you think wins in a legit fight? Matt Riddle, Dolph Ziggler, or Prime Kurt Angle? Uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, I'm sure Matt and Dolph could give a good fight, but Kurt is like a living robot. I don't think. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to go with Kurt Angle. <laughs> It'll be an interesting fight for sure. Name three matches that you were pumped for that never lived up to expectations. Well, can I mention any John Moxley match? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, man, that's a good question. Um, I'd probably say Triple H and CM Punk uh, when they had their feud starting. I think they probably would have had their best match at WrestleMania 30 if the guy didn't fucking quit. I'll say that. Um, Triple H, CM Punk is definitely up there for me. Um, as much as people are like, oh, AJ and Nakamura let me down. Like, <laughs> I I was at that show uh, at WrestleMania 34. I thought that match was really good. The, the, the vibe and the energy for their entrances was dope. 
I, I don't know what happened. And I mentioned this before about like how we want to see certain people in top pictures. And yet when you have like these big time moments, people are sitting on their hands. Or for example, any big time match Dean Ambrose had in WWE, people would be sitting on his hands like that Dolph Ziggler match at SummerSlam, yada, yada, yada. Um, people say AJ Styles and Nakamura was a disappointment. I don't see it that way. Yeah, Nakamura turned heel. But I don't... For me, I I don't know what what was going wrong or why people felt, were feeling the need to sit on their hands. If anything, you wanted to make a bigger point of why you wanted those guys in a bigger spot in Roma during that time with context. You should have probably been marking out for that match. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what happened. That was a very odd environment to say the least. Um, the other one I can mention here is. Uh, I was not really crazy about the Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match from Grand Slam. Um, I thought the match overstood its welcome. I thought the placement of it was probably bad too, for me. But I thought it was a good match. But I wouldn't say it's like the best TV match, like Meltzer said that he's seen in twenty five years or whatever the fuck that quote was. The Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match from Grand Slam. The first one was fine. I, I enjoyed it, but it was like some revolutionary shit. And then the third one, um, for me, that was a disappointment was um, I probably, man, think back at it now, it's hard to uh, <laughs> pinpoint uh, particular matches. Um, I'm going to go to John Cena. Um, I say John Cena and Undertaker at WrestleMania 34. That that one, I was happy to see Taker get back and get some comeuppance for him and uh, look good on that end. But I, I, the only reason I say that that one are my expectations because I thought they were really gonna have like a legitimate match that would go for like 20 minutes or so. And that didn't happen. That was just like, okay, here's they're playing these mind games where Taker's going to show up or not. And then he does show up, and then they have like a five-minute match. Like, I wasn't upset. I was just dis- dis- disappointed because think about it. John Cena and Undertaker never had a full proper WrestleMania-level match where he had storytelling and like it being longer than 10 or 15 minutes or whatever it would have been. Uh, that never happened. And I thought that was unfortunate. So those are the three that come out the top of my head. Triple H is CM Punk uh, from Night of Champions. Brian Danielson and Kenny Olivier from Grand Slam. And then um, uh, Taker and John Cena from WrestleMania 34. Next question. Is it stupid to me to be seriously worried for Paige? No, it's not. I'm worried. Uh Anybody with a common sense brain would would have that same approach. Um, look, I'll, I'll talk about it later. And what the hell's wrong with AW? I, I hope it works out for her. I'm really happy for her. Um, just from a mental health point of view, I know this has been a big hurdle that she's really been trying to overcome from the healing process, and I, I am concerned. Not concerned for her own end. I'm concerned about the environment that she's in and who she's working with more importantly. And um, no, I, I, I don't think it's stupid for you to feel worried for Paige. Uh, 
Um, I we'll have to see how it goes. I just I don't want her to be put in a position with reckless female performers who don't know what they're doing, or Athena who feels like she needs to take liberties uh, with other performers in order for people to give a shit about her match. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, all right, next question: What do you put on your hot dog? Oh man. What do I put on my hot dog? Um, I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not really a big mustard guy, to be honest with you. I'm not. Um, I do go, either I go with a, a regular hot dog, just the way it is, um, or I'll do the Chicago style hot dog. I really don't like mix it up or one thing I don't put on a hot dog is cheese. That's just disgusting. I, I can't do it. No, that's that's a hashtag no shot. <laughs> I, I I can't do it. Uh, but um, I I go with the regular Chicago style hot dog or just a regular hot dog the way it is. Um, Jose Abreu to the Cubs, Anthony Rizzo to the White Sox. What would you be your thoughts? Um, I co-sign it. Wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, love Jose. He's had a tremendous run here and. I feel just with he's he's been he's done a lot of great things there. I think he's going to be looked back on as a very underrated White Sox and his uh, contributions to the team. I just think that it's probably time for him more personally to explore different options. And if he goes to the Cubs, that's no big deal. Um, I think the White Sox would actually benefit for having Anthony Rizzo on the team. Because we never really had a dominant left-handing like guy in the middle of the lineup since uh, Jim Tomey. And I think that's probably one of the big reasons why uh, the Sox have struggled offensively over the last couple of years. It's so dependent on right-handing dominant hitters. Uh, you don't have that variety in your lineup. So I'd probably say Anthony Rizzo to the White Sox. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I hope it does because I think that'd be a cool deal. <laughs> Here's number 10. What would you say to someone who has everything they could possibly want in life but feels totally empty and unfulfilled? Um, what I would say is that you need to have a real, real – Real sit down with yourself and really ask yourself out loud, what what do you want? And let whatever that emptiness that's inside of you blur, blur out, even if it's something that makes you feel bad about yourself in that process. Trust me, I've had a lot of uncomfortable conversations with myself over the, over the years when it came to points for me where I feel like I needed to make a change towards something in the way I was approaching things or questioning myself. I talked about a dozen times about my self-confidence issues and uh, feeling like I belong in stuff and being shy. And um, um, having those comfortable conversations is just, it's a, it's a necessary evil. <laughs> if you want weight off your shoulders and you want some clarity, that's the only way to do it. Um, That that's the thing, especially if you're in a situation like you can have everything you want. You have a house, you got you're married, you got kids, whatever the situation is. What else is again? You have to figure it out and talk to yourself. 
about what it is that's making you feel unfilled, unfulfilled, and then ask yourself, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to go after it and go about it instead of letting it fester, or are you going to burn it to the side because it's not helping you? I, I For me, I just think internally it's not good to leave things um, with a cloud of unclarity, and um, I, I don't think that's good to let things feel unfulfilled. Um, I know that sometimes we have goals and things that we want to do and maybe things don't line up at the time we want it and stuff like that. I can, I can attest to that. You seen a little bit of that frustration when I was talking about the radio stuff a little bit ago. But at the same time, I, I think time, the best thing and the only thing that we are guaranteed is time. And that time will show you through your days as far as bringing you closer to what you want. But even then, time will also reveal to you and show clarity that maybe what you what you feel that's unfulfilled is something that's not good for you and something maybe you don't need in your life. I could want a million things, but if I get it and I still feel like shit, was it worth it? If I Let's say that I... Um, Let's say if I was working for uh, WWE right now, but at the end of the day, I still wanted to be a guitar player and tour around the world. That's the balancing act you have to deal with sometimes. And I feel like it's better for you, from from a mental point of view, to have those uncomfortable conversations with yourself. It doesn't have to be with your partner or anybody, but... I feel like you had to have those times, those really dark times with yourself to like really, I think it comes out in those conversations and some type of clarity of like, hey, okay, this is what's really bothering you. What are you going to do to address that and how are you going to go about it moving forward? But that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think you have the, uh, I don't think there's one way to approach it. My thing is if you're feeling unfulfilled or feeling empty inside, have that conversation with yourself and ask yourself why you're feeling empty and see where that goes. But um, that's a good question. Let's go to the next one here. Uh, go our next batch of questions here from Mike at Main Event Swerve. Really quick, I had a question here from uh, Patrick Fritz at Ray PWF. He said, what was your thoughts on Justin Fields' Monster Day last week? Uh, I, I love it. I, I thought it was really cool. It was a fun game to watch. Um, I'm really happy for him. Uh, it wasn't just a running fest thing, too. He had three touchdown passes. I think that's something that people were forgetting for that game. But uh, it was really cool, brother, to see him uh, get that uh, recognition and stuff. And he was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. And roughly so. I thought that was a pretty cool moment for Justin. He did a very, very good job. All right, next in our last batch of questions here comes from the good brother, main event, Swerve, a.k.a. Mike Donner in Houston, Texas. He says here, here's a few questions from the back porch. I like the back. I like the commentary, but what is making Thursday Night Football bad? It's just the matchups, to be honest with you. Um... I've never really been a proponent of Thursday night football. I don't think you need football three nights a week. I think it also it's been affecting my enjoyment of the early slate uh, of games on Red Zone. Um, 
<laughs> NFL is having an issue right now when it comes to scheduling as far as like, hey, you know, some weeks we'll have 13 games, but we log jam the majority of the games on uh, the morning, early afternoon stage. And then when we get to the games before Sunday Night Football, it's like two or three games left. And it's like, come on, man, you want <laughs> mix it up a bit, you know? Um, maybe it's just the need to satiate red zone, the fact that there's no commercial breaks. But even then, like to have game to only have like two or three games on a on a late afternoon slate, it's not good. Switch it up. <laughs> have like have like six in the early window and maybe five in the late afternoon window. Like mix it up a bit. But as far as Thursday night football, I think it, go, it comes down to the matchups and who's playing on those particular games. That's that's been my biggest issue. Like, who gives a fuck about the Falcons and the Panthers tonight? <laughs> uh, some of these games have been left to be desirable, and I think the overall play of it shows as well. Uh, I, won't, I wouldn't call Thursday Night Football as boring against the Pro Bowl, but you can see in how way the game is played on those nights too. Uh, I think it's detrimental to the league getting senseless injuries for a Thursday night football game just to save just for the sake of saying we have a Thursday night football game. I think I don't think it's necessary. Um all right. Also, are you surprised by the Colts hiring Jeff Saturday who has very little coaching experience and is in their circle uh, of honor at best? Yeah, I was. Uh, I saw the news the other day. Um I like Jeff Saturday's work on TV. He's one of the very few people on ESPN that I enjoy listening to. But um, I don't know, man. I'm not going to come here and begrudge a guy because he doesn't have no coaching experience. We'll have to see how it works. (laughs) Uh, I, I hope it works out for him. You can tell by his passion so far that he cares about what he's doing. And But that having that passion doesn't negate the fact that the Colts have no wide receivers to speak of and Jonathan Taylor has been injury prone this season. That's not going to change their fortunes just because Jeff Saturday is a fiery and has a lot of passion. Um, The Colts have been a disappointing team this year. They really have. Um, I I was surprised. Um, Looks like Jim Ursay is calling all the shots and not letting Chris Ballard do his job which kind of tells you one thing, either Chris Ballard's overrated or two, Chris Ballard's about to be fired. And we got to figure out which one of those realities is the case. Uh, next question. Is defense suddenly more of the problem for the Bears? They seem to be clicking more on offense now. Um, Mike, I think that's probably more by design, to be honest with you, more than anything. Uh, when you're trade, you have to think about this with context. Seven of our majority good players on defense were traded or in a release over the offseason. So you don't have Nick, uh, Cleo Mack, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, what? Roquan Smith, what? Robert Quinn, what? Uh, Danny Trevathan, what? Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people have been gone from the team, man. Like, I think it's by design and the head coach is a defensive guy, so I think it had to happen. Our front seven is getting old, and these are the lumps that we got to take with for now 
And it's like, like I said about it earlier, it's a necessary evil. If our defense is going to suck this year and our offense finally has some life to it, <laughs> you can build off of that going into the following season and then revamp whatever issues we need to address in the offseason for our defense and see where things go from there. But I think it's probably more of the design, to be honest with you. Do you believe that Kirk Cousins is the highest paid quarterback of the past five years? No, his agent is probably the smartest man in sports. I'll say that. <laughs> Are the Jets a sleeper team for a divisional round playoff run at least? Uh, possibly. I want to put my bets on it, but uh, I could see them making the playoffs for sure. Who is your coach of the year of the who's your coach of the year in the NFL so far this year? Um oofa oofa oofa. Um <laughs> I'm gonna go with either uh Pete Carroll with Seattle or let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna go either Pete Carroll or Nick Sirianni. Uh by the way, if you haven't seen Ty Schmidt's impression of uh uh, Nick Sirianni on Pat McAfee's show, it's 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 tremendous. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Nick Sirianni because he got that dog mentality. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Nick there. I, I think that'd be a good choice. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next question here. Uh, what do you think of Zoe Stark turning on the key to lines? Where did where does each of them go in the storyline after the feud is sure to come? Um uh, it just depends on where it goes. I think either Zoe Stark will have a brief run as a heel and then probably gets her way up to Raw or SmackDown. As far as the key to the Lions is concerned, I can still see her being a baby face for how long it needs to be. She's over with that crowd, and there's a lot of good things to look at when it comes to her, to be honest with you. But uh, they'll have their feud, but I think probably the key to the Lions probably stays in NXT for a while until she finally gets a footing of what she wants to do from her performance in the ring is concerned. And then Zoe Stark will have her run as a heel, then she'll probably go up to Raw SmackDown. All right. Last bit of questions here. He says, are you willing to say that the Astros won this championship fair square? Also, is there any chance they run it back next year and win two in a row? Uh, yeah, they won it fair square. Doesn't mean I'm happy about it. I'm not a Strohs fan. But, um... Yeah, they're like the pests that won't go away. So, yeah, it just depends on roster construction. If they keep their crew together, I don't see why they wouldn't be in the mix next year. Also, what do you think of the opening day matchup with your White Sox and my team? Do you all see a? Do you all still see a rivalry between the Sox and the Astros because of the 2005 World Series? It looks it looks that way even here, just not so apparent. Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe our waters don't match up well with each other, but um, I, I don't know if I would call it like a full-blown rivalry. It's just very interesting. I, I feel like a lot of the White Sox disdain towards the Astros, that particular team, was just a lot of the media coverage going into that game. It was all about, oh, the White Sox don't deserve to be in the World Series. They, they're going to get swept. It's Roger Clemens and Eddie Pettit against a – low-level baseball team, and we're all still looked at as the second-best team out of the city. And I think people in the city hold resentment towards that because even then, even since the White Sox won that World Series in 05, in a sweep, by the way, but ever since that happened, it, it's, it's been treated and covered as if it didn't happen. <laughs> 
And I think people look back at that World Series, it's like the reluctant, oh, we just had to acknowledge, oh, the White Sox won. It's like one of those things. And that's unfortunate. And not going to happen for that they have the opening day matchup next year. So when the White Sox win on a banner racing night, it's uh, it's good for business. Let's <laughs> go to the next question. What's the most annoying thing about people when driving? Well, like I told Mike earlier, I'm not a driver. I never drove in my life, and I'm never going to drive in my life. Uh, it's just a personal choice for me. I don't feel like I can emotionally handle the responsibility of if, of, if, it, if an accident happened, or I could live with myself from a mental point of view, knowing if I ever hurt somebody on the road out of accident or whatever the situation is. I, I don't want to put myself in that situation. and It's, it's a lot more of a um, anxiety point of view as opposed to um, laziness, whatever people want to call it. it I, I'm just not going to drive. It's not, it's not for me. Um, what's the most annoying thing about people with driving? It's the fact that they, the, it's the need to like drive, like, let's say like you're going home, right? I don't know what's going on with everybody's life in every car that I'm next to. You know, I, I don't know what their situation is, but I think more now, especially in Chicago, people just drive every day as if they're driving to a fucking hospital and having to go see a family member in the in ICU care center. It's like, slow the fuck down. <laughs> hey, what's the need to rush <laughs> and cut people off and people can't pick, pick a lane of where they want to go? It's... It's not, we have really, really shitty drivers out here. We really do. Also, have you ever, have you, have you ever had some road rage where you chase someone down or flip them off, anything like that? Again, I don't drive, but I've had taken Uber rides and I've seen a lot of crazy shit at night uh, coming back from my house from the tattoo shop, for example. We're on the I-94 highway going back to my house. And this was like a, I think it was like a Tuesday night. Yeah. It was a Tuesday night. I come back for the shop. It's like a quarter to uh, uh, midnight. And um, we're, in, we're in the middle of the highway. I look over to the left where I'm sitting in the car. And there's two people just driving at, I don't know, 20 miles per hour, right? Now, what people don't know about this story is that the people in the back were having sex. I saw this right in front of my eyes. <laughs> you could be missed. Was like, I, I took one, so like, whoa, holy shit. <laughs> like, they're going at it. They're going to pound town city. That guy has uh, procured the waterfall. I'm like, Good for you, man. I started chuckling inside. It's not affecting our car because we're like we're caught across from uh, where this car was, but you have three cars behind him honking the horn, honking the horn, and it's like a, it's like they're in a pickup truck. <laughs> and they give a shit. Like you can even hear the girl like moaning and shit. I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> we had our like windows closed and stuff, and like it was, it was interesting. It's like eleven thirty at night. I'm driving home. There's two people in the back of a pickup truck. Just getting it on and you know going to Pontan and <laughs> they got people in the back. Eh, eh. Drive faster, put some fucking clothes on. <laughs> you know, there's a whole bunch of shit. 
that that was a pretty funny memory. I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, all right, let's go to this next question here. What is the one law you'd be okay with breaking? Like, damn the consequences. Um, probably graffiti, but I'm not. Here's the thing: I can't draw to save my life. But I, I having graffiti, I don't know. If you have in a, let's say if it's a place that's not owned by anybody, right? I don't see the issue of displaying art. I don't. I don't see where the crime is in that. Now, if it's on public property or personal property or people just want to be dicks, I can understand it from that point of view. But general graffiti is something I wouldn't like thump my nose at, you know. But that's just me. Um, the last question here, he says, follow up. Why don't you drive? Is that more of a big city mass transit thing? My, my my uncle lived in Boston for 40 years and never drove there either. Um, no, like I said, I, for me, it's just the fact that of an anxiety thing. I don't feel like I can handle the anxiety of putting myself in a position where I accidentally hurt somebody while driving a car. I, I, I Knowing how I am, I just don't think I'll be a good driver. So th- that's, that's the reason. Um, with that being said... We're going to put a ribbon to bow on this Back Porch Q&A session. As always, if you want to participate in the Back Porch Q&A session, all you have to do is hit me up, excuse me, at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. I want to thank Chris, Sam, Mike, and Pat for the questions. We guys killed it as always. Hope you guys liked the guitar covers in the beginning. I hope that came off well as well. And um, with that being said, we're going to put a red bullet for this first segment. And then when we come back, we'll talk about what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoots Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Uh, first off, we're going to start off with our thoughts from Crown Royal this past Saturday night in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. First off, man, these crowds at these uh, Saudi Arabia shows are always lit. Uh, I had a good time covering the show this past Saturday. Very, very few and where bad matches. Um, and there's really not too much to pick on. I think the only part of the show that I wasn't really um, revved up for was um, Braun Strowman versus Omos. But even then, that match wasn't like eye-rolling or anything like that. Um, for the most part, the show was pretty good. Um you know, we had um, we had Asuka and Alexa Bliss. The women's tag team title match was very good with Damage Control. Damage Control got the championship with help from Nikki Cross. By the way, speaking of championships, we'll have to uh, pour out our forty glasses and stuff for our uh, for the twenty four seven I ninety South European and Television Championship, the twenty four seven title. Has now been rendered obsolete. So that title no longer exists. That's been deleted. Delete. 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 So that went down. Also, we had um, the OC against the Judgment Day. Judgment Day won. Thanks to the help from Rhea Ripley. Uh, 
OC decided to come back with some co-opets of their own and some reassurance with the returning Mia Yim. And I was very happy to see her come back on Raw this week. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, she looks fantastic, and uh, she's been doing a lot of good stuff about Impact, so it's nice for her to see her come back. And it looks like she's going to be part of the OC, and I'm happy for her. I think she's going to do some good stuff. Um, with that being said, um, also we had on the show, um, hold on, let me get, let me pull the card back up here. I don't have it off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I have like 30 wrestling shows in my head for the last week or so. <laughs> uh, Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley. Um, I was not surprised by the outcome there. Uh, Brock Lesnar won using the Bret Hart kick off the turnbuckle stick. Uh, but Lashley did put the beats to him. We'll talk about Lashley in a little bit. Uh, Nice little thread of him over the last couple weeks of what's been going on. Uh, ties in with the whole um, Austin Theory thing that everybody seems to talk about this week. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Killer, Killer Cross cage match. No no problem. I thought that was a fine match. Drew McIntyre won, like I said, here last week. The Usos and the Brawling Brutes. Five match. Uh, Bianca Belair against Bailey. Last woman stand match. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it was just a very good week of matches in general in WWE. You had that match. You had uh, Gunther and Rey Mysterio from last week's SmackDown. Um, speaking of SmackDown, you have Liv Morgan and Sonya Deville's no disqualification matches. I thought was really good. Uh, speaking of SmackDown, I thought SmackDown was a very, very good show uh, this past week. Even with it being a tape show, I thought SmackDown this week was better than Raw. Um it was a very, very good show. And then Gunther, Rey Mysterio for the IC title. Uh, that's been one of the best mid-card title matches of the year so far. That was fantastic. Um, and then, of course, Roman Reigns, the trial chief against Logan Paul. I, I <laughs> it, it comes redundant when it, when it comes to explaining how good Roman Reigns is and what he brings to the business. It's Yeah, it's my opinion, but to me... It, I, <laughs> It's it's not even close. The Tribal Chief right now is the best wrestler in the world. The Tribal Chief is the best in the world. Throw the ones up as you hear me talk right now. Throw them up. Throw the ones up. Tribal Chief is just on another level right now. <laughs> I, I think he, he may even reach to pass Gabo if there is anything past that. Like That guy is on another level right now from a performance standpoint. And he is just killing it on all cylinders right now. So I'm very happy for the Tribal Chief. Uh, Logan Paul was fantastic. It looks like a natural in there. Uh, done a lot of good stuff there. Uh, I always talk about on the show about maximizing TV time, right? Well, going back to SmackDown last week. By the way, overall, I give I give Crown Royal a B plus. I thought it was a really solid pay-per-view from WWE this past Saturday. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. Premium live event. Now let's talk about a premium live event caliber performer. Let's hear some comments here from LA Knight. This is how you maximize TV time. But let me handle a little business here because this little pop-tart announcer over here just couldn't happen to get my hometown right a couple weeks ago. And, uh... Believe me, I understand it. What you were feeling was the undeniable Kaborka of L.A. Night. You got lost in these baby blues, but even though you got it right tonight, that intro you just did, that ain't good enough for the megastar. It might be good enough for this 
gymnastic jerk up here. Well, Rick says. <laughs> the undeniable Kavorka. That's that's phenomenal. Oh man. <laughs> Oh man, that's phenomenal. Uh, I I look at um, you look at uh, <laughs> LA Knight man. That guy's a trip. That's how that's how it's short. It's like a four minute pro, a forty second promo walking to the ring, talking shit to anybody that's involved around the match. It's really tired that the ring announcer Samantha Urban, by the way, good piece of waterfall, uh, is in a relationship with Ricochet. And Ricky Chase is opponent. It's simple stuff like that. Like you can capitalize that forty seconds, and it gives you a reason to uh, get invested in the match. Very good. Let's go back to our context clues uh, topics, as we usually do here on the Hoops Podcast. Let's hear some comments here for the uh, Bloodline here with Sami Zayn and the Usos. Right now, guys, we are we are rolling. We are rolling. The Bloodline is rolling right now. Roman is about to handle, Travel Chief is about to handle business at Crown Jewel. Yeet. Yep. So are you boys against the Brutes. Yeet. And when you do, you are on the verge, boys, of breaking the all-time record for the longest reigning tag team champions in history. You're there. You are there. Yeah, we are there. We're about to go out there right now and tell the Brutes what's about to happen tomorrow in Saudi Arabia. With that? In the ring? Right now. Jay, uh... We talked about, we, hey, we talked about this, okay? And I feel like we're actually making some, some progress here. Could you please not do that? Could you please not go out there? There's no reason for it. The match is made. You get a good night's sleep. You beat the Brutes. You go on. The record's right around the corner. There's no reason okay, for it. Okay, okay, okay. Just because you Sammy Uso now, you think you're in charge of me, huh? Uh, huh? Because what Roman said, hey, check this out. This ain't no bloodline thing. This a Uso thing. And we've been tag team champions before you. We will be tag team champions long after you gone, Sammy. Let's go. He's got a point, my dog. Jimmy, don't go. Please don't go. Guys, don't go. We're gone. We're gone. Why? 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 Why are my dogs? Fantastic. I mentioned the Usos retain over the Brawling Brutes, so I have to see how that uh, plays into tomorrow's show because obviously uh, we've been talking about um, really good barn burner matches and stuff like that for this week in WWE. And we have uh, we got another one slated for tomorrow night. It's uh, the New Day versus the Usos for the tag team titles. If the Usos retain, they'll become the official longest reigning WWE World Tag Team Champions. Um, so that was SmackDown from last week. It was a pre-taped show in St. Louis. We transitioned it to Monday Night Raw from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Oh, God. First off, I have to say this. If Corey Graves is the loudest person in a basketball arena while a show's going on, that's a problem. I'm not going to come on here and say Raw sucked or Raw was terrible or anything like that. I would say this is a great episode of Raw, but holy shit, man. Wilkesboro, what the hell are you doing? Why are you paying tickets to go to the show if you're going to be sitting on your hands the whole time? It wasn't like the show was that god-awful that there was nothing to cheer for. 
Okay, maybe you're depressed that the Phillies choked the World Series. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, Wilkesboro's a, it's a su- suburb of Philly, right? I don't know what went down there, man. Wilkesboro, you guys need to step it up the next time there's a show there. Anyways, I was talking about the, Uso, the New Day and the Usos, and they had a promo exchange to start off Raw this past Monday night. I think you should hear a little bit of this. Pressure is sitting and catering week to week, not knowing if you're getting fired. Pressure is building an entire YouTube channel outside of this company just to make sure you can get noticed at work. Pressure, pressure is putting together the most important three-man group to ever step foot in wrestling and come in and get booed for it. Don't you dare talk to us about pressure. You hear that? You hear that? They know about the pressure because these people know, every single one of them knows that that pressure is what turned us into diamonds. Diamonds? Diamonds, huh? Diamonds. You talking about those diamonds that used to be in your crown, King Woods? That's what he's talking about. You talking about that crown that my man Jay stomped to the ground? No, no. The real kings got the crowns now. On my shoulders. And you, Kofi. If the Usos never forfeited that match, there would have never been no Kofi mania. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That, that led into a trios Barburn match to kick off the show. It was... The Usos and Soul Sokoa taking on the New Day and Matt Riddle. Uh, it was a preview match for uh, what's going to happen tomorrow night. I can understand why Riddle was inserted into that. No problem, no problem there. I, I thought it was interesting, though, that this part of the show took 45 minutes to do. I have no issues with long wrestling matches, but uh, impromptu six-man tag probably shouldn't be 25 minutes of ring time. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, I think a lot of the companies across the industry have this satiation of doing extremely, extremely long six-man tag matches. Um, but they got in WWE, their six-man tag matches don't look like a fucking circus. Um, <laughs> so that that's that's that. Um, I guess we should uh, get into what everybody's been talking about this week. So suddenly that the world is crumbled to the earth because... Austin Theory uh, failed his money to make cash in. Let's hear some comments from Theory earlier today before his match with Shelton Benjamin. Theory, based on your recent activity with Seth freaking Rollins, can I get your comment on Seth issuing an open challenge for the United States Championship tonight? Well, if I'm being honest with you, Kathy, I think it's kind of pathetic what has happened to the prestige of the United States Championship ever since it was stolen from me. That's right, I said stolen. You know, an open challenge just seems like a, a sad attempt for a desperate champion to get the crowd to just cheer for them. But it seems like something Bobby Lashley would do and not Seth. And speaking of Bobby Lashley, I thought he was going to slay the beast at Crown Jewel. But enough about Bobby and Brock. When it comes to those two dinosaurs, I'd put them both down. But when it comes to me... Did you say dinosaurs? Yeah, that's what I said. You never learn, do you? 
I mean, how many times do those dinosaurs have to put you down before you realize that you are never going to live up to the hype? That's what you think. That's exactly what I think. I mean, think about it. Every time you mess with Bobby, you get hurt, Lock. Every time you mess with Brock, you get F5'd. You go down. You know what? Why don't you take it easy, Mr. Irrelevant? Because I am the youngest Mr. Money in the Bank in all of WWE history. And all I do is win. So. And when it comes to an opportunity, I take full advantage of it. But let me ask you a question. Yeah. When's the last time Shelton Benjamin beat anybody? Good question. Why don't we make it you tonight? That's what you want? That's exactly what I want. Then I'll see you out there. See you, Junior. Oh, man. This is going to get interesting. <laughs> I want to preface this by saying that I'm all for fair game of people not liking decisions of a match, not liking a show. I'm all about freedom of expression. But there's a major issue going on right now in the wrestling industry and across the wrestling fandom that... I can't put a blind eye to anymore. And it's something that's really been bothering me over the last couple of months. And I just had to address the issue at hand because if we're going to do this song, this dog and pony dance of this makes sense. That doesn't make sense. This makes sense. This doesn't make sense. Oh, he made theory look weak. All oh, theories buried. Alfred Kunua from Forbes. I, I guess anybody can have a fucking blue check mark this week. That's a new revelation. Um, okay, so <laughs> let, let, let's get into this because this really started to grind my gears. I kept my mouth shut during Monday night and on Tuesday because, honestly, when it, when it comes to decisions on shows, even if there's stuff that I don't agree with, believe it or not, there's, this, there's stuff in wrestling that I don't agree with all the time. I either feel... I go about it two ways. One, is it worthy enough for me to acknowledge it that I need to speak up about it? Or, in other cases, I keep it to myself and go on with my business. So, let me, I'm going to go over this thread I put on Twitter the other day. You can follow me on Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. And I said, this is where my stance is when it comes to the conversation regarding Austin Theories failed cash-in on Monday Night Raw. Nothing in wrestling on here is more eye-rolling than scrolling through back-and-forth debates about shit that's subjective. And their only talking point is that it doesn't make sense. The fucking premise of pro wrestling is that it doesn't make sense in the first place. What are we doing here? Spinning what logic is or isn't in an illogical form of entertainment is wasted energy. That's like me saying that it didn't make sense for the Avengers coming up with a fucking time machine to get everybody back to life because it would make Thanos look weak. Just because you don't agree with a decision of a match or an angle doesn't mean that that decision didn't make sense. Put the binoculars down and watch these shows and stop letting Twitter dictate your enjoyment of the business. Twitter is nothing but on-the-surface takes with no context and no substance attached to it. Oh, I go my instant first thought, and that's what my tweet. And I'm going to do it for likes and retweets. Why? And followers. Why? 
and clout. What? All that. That's this whole game on Twitter. Wrestling Twitter. That's all it is. On a surface takes. Be the first to be like, hey, I got to. Oh, this is my take. I'm going to do a talking circles and do all this thing to prove you that I'm right and you're wrong. When applying no context and not missing the entire point of the situations. Let's continue on here. Here in, 22, here in 2022, we're tying ourselves up in retarded knots over the fact that we're now supposed to feel sorry for a heel that people claim that they didn't want to see on their TV because he didn't capitalize on his money to bank cash in. When that was always going to be the outcome in the first place. And here's the part here where I get into the theory part. You want my thoughts, guys, on the whole theory thing and the reaction towards it? Now people give a shit about theory. That's the fickle shit I talk about. Also, there's a bigger point that went over everybody's head that was going on in that process. Rollins not even 10 minutes before claiming that the U.S. title is now the top prize on Raw. Repeat, top prize on Raw. Why wouldn't he cash in the briefcase then? When I speak, I apply context and substitute. I don't speak just to speak. Let the man Seth Rollins tell you and give you the whole full, full detail of what was going to happen to him 10 minutes later. To me, Because before I beat Bobby Lashley a few weeks back, it had been far too long since Seth freaking Rollins had held gold here in WWE. But in just a few short weeks, I have made this the title to have here on Raw. It's time to get down to business. Y'all ready for an open challenge? Well, let's see who wants to take a shot. Whoever wants a piece at my title, come on down here. But be ready for a fight because I ain't giving up so easily because I am a visionary. I am a revolutionary. I am Seth. Little audio clip there for several hours before all the shenanigans went down. And here's the thing. You heard earlier in the show that, hey, Seth Rollins holding the title now is the top prize on Monday Night Raw. You heard it, right? Seth Rollins is now holding the top prize of Raw. So why wouldn't Austin Deary cash it on his briefcase? What I'm not going to do here on Who's Podcast is something we've never done here on Who's Podcast is live and die on on the surface takes. I think it's a disservice to you, the audience, and I think it's a disservice to the wrestling industry as a whole. I'm not going to come here and tell you I have all the answers of what's right and wrong in professional wrestling. I don't. I come here, I tell you what stood out to me, maybe some stuff that I didn't like, and then we have fun joking around about AW because they deserve it. That's basically the gist of the show, right? <laughs> so, I... Seeing Austin Theory miss out on his cash in during the main event slot of Raw did not indicate to me 
that theory is now buried and lost without cause. And that, oh, the money to make should, idea should be scrapped and it, it doesn't have any meaning to it anymore. And yada, yada, yada. And here's the thing. What everybody missed about that whole scenario. Don't you realize now that Raw is now the top prize and that everybody's gunning for it? Lashley, now is a heel. Raw is the top baby face. You have theory in the situation. I'm sure other people will get involved along the way. If anything that was established on Monday night is that the U.S. title is now the main thing to fight for on Raw. And that's not a bad thing if we're going to have this two-title thing with Roman still. That's all I'm saying here. I'm not saying that you you don't have a right to be upset if Austin Theory didn't cash in. But here's the reality. He was never going to become the world champion. Not at least now. Oh, he should have he should have came in and cashed in on uh, a broad breaker. Okay, let's say he did do that, and then people like you would go on Twitter and say, "Oh, look at how much Theory regressed. He had to go back to NXT and cash in on broad breaker." There's a cop out following complaint towards everything that went on in the scenario. Don't tell me there isn't because that's how wrestling Twitter works. One thing doesn't go their fancy booking way. They're going to come up with 10 or 12 different reasons of why it went the wrong way without applying any context or substance to it because that's just how wrestling Twitter works. You're upset that Theory's um, a heel, a heel that failed his cash in? Okay, that's you. <laughs> but don't come on here with these odd service takes and just be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, Theory cash in. He should cash in and won. Oh, it doesn't make sense that he didn't cash in and win. None of it makes sense. It's not real. It's predetermined. It's an illogical form of entertainment. That's so fucking stupid. Pick any scenario, any movie or scene that maybe you didn't like or whatever. That doesn't mean it didn't make sense on the primary sense of whatever the content is. It's subjective. Just because you disagree with the decision doesn't mean it doesn't make sense for everybody. Maybe it doesn't make sense for you, but your opinion means just as much as the decision of that match. Zilch. It's scripted. It's not real. It's not a sport. This stuff's subjective. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to other people. Just because you don't like a decision of somebody winning a rumble match doesn't mean other people agree with you. That's my stance on it. Before we get to our main event seven, there's a couple things I want to um, get into and talk about. Is um, uh, New Japan's related stuff, and uh, we got uh, NWA stuff to talk about as well. I put it in our description box here so you can see it here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go over it really quick to skim through the list of the World Tag League uh, performers uh, for New Japan. That's the next big tour that I got coming up soon for New Japan. Um, it's going it's to be, be a very interesting tour for me. Um, so this is how it's going to go. So right now, we have 10 teams. Whoever wins this tournament will fight FTR for the IWGP 
World Heavyweight Tag Team Titles at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So right now we have uh, last year's winners, Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi, Evil and Yujiro, Naito and Sonata, Aaron Hanari and Great Okan, uh, Tanahashi and Yano, Aussie Open, Suzuki and Lance Archer. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. Uh, TMDK's Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols and Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin. I think the early favorites right now is either Bishamon or Aussie Open, but that's going to be a fun uh, tournament to uh, check out. And then um, we have the Super uh, Junior uh, Tag League. Same rules apply there um, for that tournament. Whoever wins that match will fight uh, Akira and uh, TJP um, at Wrestle Kingdom. No, actually, they're in this tournament, so uh, we'll have to see how that works. Anyways, it's kind of similar to the G1. So let's say like Akira and uh, TJP win this tournament. They will get to pick who they fight at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So let's go out with this. We have... Taguchi and Clark Connors, Kashida, Kevin Knight, Tiger Mass and Robbie Eagles, Leo Rush and Yo, Alex Zane and L. Lindemann. That's going to be a fun team. Bushi and Teton, TJP and Francisco Akira, Doki and Yoshinobu Canberro, Ace Austin and Chris Bay. That's going to be a lot of fun. And Sho and Dick Togo. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for that tournament as well. So we got two tournaments, one tour to wrap up this year of wrestling for New Japan, it's going to conclude, I think, in the middle of December. Yeah, December fourteenth. So uh, this could be it's going to be a fun, fun tournament to get to, and a lot of fun stuff to look forward to for that tournament um, for New Japan. So I'll be on that coverage. You can check out my work at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Last thing I want to mention here is um, NWA. Uh, NWA has their uh, last heavy of the year coming up on Saturday called Hard Times 3. It's taking place in New Orleans at the Frederick J. Sugar Civic Center. And this is the card coming up on Saturday. So this is how it goes here. We got Mercurio, make, uh, Magic Dick Demons, and Jack Stane take on Anthony Mayweather, JTG, and the Pope in the Hardcore Team War match. I also think on the pre-show we'll have uh, Pretty Empowered uh, putting their NWA World um, Women's Tag Team titles on the line against uh, Batty Rikowski and Mr. Kate. We have Maxi and Paler against Natalia Mikova in a Voodoo Queen Casket match. AJ Kazana against Jordan Kluwrider will have the finals of the NWA World Television Championship Tournament. Uh, Rodney Mack portraying himself as the question mark, but Aaron Steves will be taking on the question mark too in a mass versus mass match. Davey Richards will take on Kobe Carino. This is a MLW National Openweight Championship. Uh, by the way, nice to see the return of MLW. They're now their debut on ProWrestling.tv. I think it's a pretty cool venture there. Uh, La Rebellion will put their titles on the line against Hawks RE, uh, the father son tag team of Luke Hawk and PJ Hawks. Uh, that's going to be a fun match. Olsen will be taking on a, a person to be determined. Olsen was supposed to fight Nick Gallus on his favorite, but Nick Gallus is suspended and is about to lead the NWA suit, so that's why that match is not happening. We have EC3 against Thomas Latimer. 
Homicide putting his NWA World Junior Heavyweight title on line against Kerry Morton. The Fixers uh, putting their NWA US Tag Team titles on line against the Spectaculars, Rush Freeman and Brady Pierce. Uh, Scion, the Mass Scion uh, with Austin Allen putting his National Heavyweight title on the line against Dak Draper. We have a triple threat match for the NWA World Women's Championship with Camille against Kylan King and Chelsea Green. That's going to be a barn burner. Will the one-time champion Camille retain again? I think so. And then we have the main event, Trevor Murdoch, the champion, taking on Matt Cardona or Mid-Cardona against Tyrus in a triple threat match for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. So that's coming up on Saturday, a 14-match card here. It's going to be a long night, but looking forward to covering it on Fight TV, and that should be a very, very good time. With that being said, it's time, everybody, for the main event. <laughs> it's time to give the people what they want, what they need. Another brand new edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Now, we don't have a new edition of Dust Derrico this week. But don't fret, Brother Carter's here, and he starts these off in a three, a two, a one. Beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat. I'm telling you, my time is right now. Right this minute, 2022, we're living in my time is now! My time is right goddamn now! Man, what intensity. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW! What the hell is wrong with AEW? I apologize for having to be on the road this week, but when you're the director of operations, big things are popping, little things are stopping all the damn time. But that wasn't going to stop me from commenting on my thoughts on AEW this weekend. Oh boy. As usual, that's my reaction every week to the show. So, oh boy. Now, I will say, in giving credit where credit is due, this was a better show this week. There was some actually some things that they did this week that I was intrigued about. There's actually some things on this show that made sense from a storyline purpose. Oh my god. So let's get into it and let's talk about some of the things that I enjoyed this week on AEW programming. Uh, there was a fun tag match to open the show with the acclaimed and FTR versus Swerve and our glory in the guts. I enjoyed this. I thought this was good. But can we please just split Swerve and Lee? and get this over with. I mean, we know it's coming. We, we just know it's a matter of time. Can we just do it and get it over with? Because they're trying to build this heel turn, but then there was a random one that made absolutely no sense, and I'll talk about that here in just a minute. Just a moment. Another great promo from MJF, of course. Um, not surprised there. And actually, I thought a really nice promo from Moxley. I thought that was really good. Uh, John Moxley felt a little more real. He felt a little more, you know, like he was playing up to MJF. So I, I thought this was a great promo. Uh, it actually has me intrigued about their match at Full Gear. I actually legitimately don't know what's going to happen. 
So that's good. That's wrestling. Uh, and then finally, a nice promo from Soraya. Or Soraya, excuse me. Uh, it's great to hear that she's able to compete again. I know that was a big contention for her for a long time, and you could tell she was getting emotional about it. So that's really cool that she's actually going to get to wrestle again. Unfortunately, it's against Britt Baker. But now, and I wrote this down, now that I think about it, this is actually a good decision to put her with Britt Baker. Uh, it's clear that Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, is, is the chosen one in the women's division. Um, she's their Roman Reigns, I guess. Not not even remotely close on that level, but it's obvious she's the chosen one. Um, so we'll see how this match goes. Uh, also, props to Britt Baker for calling out AE Dance for being fans for being fickle. Fickle. The only thing about her promo that was wrong is that she says that AEW doesn't take walk-ins, which is completely lie. Uh, lie. They take in anybody who had any sort of, you know, career in the wrestling business and hands them a job. I mean, they gave Chaos Project a job, for God's sake. So they take walk-ins left and right. But anyway, this was a good promo, and I enjoyed this. All right, let's get to the shit. And although there was some really good stuff on the show this week, boy, was there a lot of shit. Oh, good. Eddie Kingston is back for some reason. Oh, good. Ortiz is back. Fine. I, I didn't miss them while they were gone, which is an indictment on AEW's roster. Um, I thought their match was boring, but I do like Ethan Page's finisher, though, the uh, outsider's edge from the top row. I thought that was cool. Why are we getting a random feud between Roosh and the Dark Order? This makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't understand why we're doing this. Okay. If the announcers didn't tell me who Arya Davari was, I would have had no idea who that was with that dude in the butler in the ring. I have no idea who that was. Um, and I know the name Arya Davari, but he hasn't been on TV for a long time. So why would I have any idea who he is? Okay. He, Wardlow comes out, squashes him. And then for some stupid reason, Samoa Joe turns on Wardlow. Why? This makes no sense, and it completely buries Powerhouse Hobbs. Like, Powerhouse Hobbs should be the focal point, not Samoa Joe. But Joe turns, is he in alliance with Hobbs now? I don't I don't understand this. This makes absolutely no sense at all. So they're building a Swerve and Lee heel turn eventually, but they randomly give us this Samoa Joe heel turn. Why? I, it makes no sense to me. I don't get it. Can't believe that Jay Lethal is now being relegated to wrestling Trent Beretta. Lethal is way better than this, uh, but he's forced to work with best friends and pockets. I don't get it. And then there was this really weird Jeff Jarrett promo. He comes out, cuts this really weird promo, threatens a stage manager for some reason. I guess the stage managers aren't safe at AEW because this is the second time this has happened with another. I think. Was it Jericho that it's... I don't remember. Somebody else attacked the stage manager. I don't get it. Um, the women's division is an absolute joke. Sky Blue and Jamie Hayter was your women's match this week. Of course, right before the main event match. Who cares? And honestly, who cares about Tony Storm? She, is, she means absolutely nothing. She is about as boring and generic and mamamamid as it gets. Again, as I said last week... All wrestling fans um, should be embarrassed for this women's division. If you're a female wrestling fan, you should be insulted by what AEW is doing with women's wrestling. It's just ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Why are we getting a random feud between Lance Archer and Ricky Starks? They are completely destroying all momentum that Starks had. Starks needs to leave AEW ASAP. He needs to get out of his contract. 
Triple H needs to call Tony Khan and find a way to negotiate out of Ricky Starks' contract. And he needs to get to the Performance Center in NXT. He could thrive in NXT. But no, he's being forced to do this crap. Um, and just be, you know, one of the best people in that company is being forced to just random feuds for no reason. Okay, and then finally we have a two out of three falls match that gets only 20 minutes. That doesn't make any sense. This match was okay. Both wrestlers are talented, so why did they have to do all that bullshit at the beginning of the match with Guevara attacking him with the microphone and making him bleed or whatever? But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold the phone. We have made history. We got a DQ in AEW. Oh, my God. They actually followed the rules. Oh, my God. Now, it doesn't mean anything because it's, it's AEW. It doesn't mean anything. But you, we actually got some semblance of rules in this. So, anyways, this match was okay. The show was okay. It was better than most. But it still leaves us a comp- lot to be desired with the booking decisions and just what exactly is going on with this company. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? Thank you so much, Sir Royalty. I appreciate you as always, my man. Time to get to what the hell is wrong with AEW, a.k.a. what isn't wrong with AEW. Believe it or not, <laughs> I went for the card this week. There's not much for me to ramrod through this show. Uh, I think more of my discussion points this week for uh, this uh, segment for you guys is more of the bigger picture issues with this promotion. And I think, um, to be honest with you, like, I asked you this question, right? Are you any more excited to watch um, Full Gear, or it's not called it, Big Gear, uh, right now after what you saw last night on Dynamite? Are you any more interested in even considering uh, paying for this pay-per-view? Are you considering buying this pay-per-view for 50 plus bucks? Because I'm not. But we'll get to that in just a couple seconds. Let's get into the good stuff. And of course, when it comes to good stuff, you always have two particular things. You either have the acclaim or you have this guy. How you feeling? How am I feeling? Um, you know, after the firm attacked me in a very cowardice fashion, uh, doctors informed me that if I wanted to be 110% come full gear, I definitely shouldn't be traveling on the road. And to be frank... The only thing I'm worried about is that match at full gear against John Moxley. See, this is the most important match in my entire career. But what I don't think wrestling fans understand is this is also possibly the most important match in the history of our sport. Allow me to explain why. This could be the potential crowning of the next face of the next generation of professional wrestling. You see, every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, really, we see people that lead the charge of a generation bring professional wrestling to new heights. Guys like Bruno San Martino, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, guys like Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold, The Rock, John Cena, all of these men were generational talents. And that is exactly who MJF is. So here's what's going to happen. All I have to do to etch my name into history is to have a long, fruitful world title reign. And the only person that's getting in my way is John Moxley. Now, I'm not going to sit here, big cat. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to pretend that John Moxley is an easy competitor to beat. See, I don't like you, John. I think you're a low-life scumbag piece of shit. I think you're from the slums of Cincinnati. And I think you have absolutely no class, but I do respect you. Because, John, you weren't born to be a world champion. Matter of fact, you were born with two left feet and not one single athletic bone in your body. 
However, I respect you because you had to work your ass off to become the man you are today. Blood, sweat, tears, sacrifices. You had to defy all the odds doing 15-hour drives to wrestle in front of 15 people for $15. And you did it over and over and over again, honing your craft until eventually you did the damn near impossible, John Moxley. You became the best professional wrestler on God's green earth. But know this. Come November 19th, you're about to lose that handle because I was born to not just be a professional wrestler, but to be the professional wrestler. I'm the guy who can come on the number one sports podcast in the world, pardon my take. I'm the guy who can do movies, TV shows, commercials, talk shows, and I can wave the flag of the AEW brand in hell. I can wave the flag of professional wrestling and bring pro wrestling back to where it belongs as something that everyone is talking about. Every single wrestling fan, promoter, analyst, and pundit is fully aware that that throne is for the taking, and I'm the one who's going to take it. I'm so sick of waiting my turn. Ever since I entered AEW, I've had to get the spotlight stolen from me in my big moments. My first ever singles pay-per-view match, the spotlight was on a neck tattoo. My first ever world title shot, which was against you, John Moxley, when you cheated, the spotlight was on Matt Hardy taking a fall like Humpty Dumpty. The first ever blood and guts match. I am standing atop of the cage with a crimson mask. I have prevailed. That should have been my crowning moment. Instead, the spotlight was on Chris Jericho. Speaking of Chris Jericho, he stole the spotlight from me from a full calendar year. And then, on my big return, the spotlight was on a press conference. Well, know this, John. On November 19th at full gear in the tri-state area, Newark, New Jersey, in the Prudential Center. I am not waiting for the spotlight anymore. I am grabbing it. And you are going to have to take it out of my cold, dead hands. John, your boy William Regal bet on the wrong horse. I don't need a dynamite diamond ring to knock your lights out. Because come full gear, the devil gets his due. (laughs) He's, He's the man, man. But this also paints another question I have to ask for you guys. Don't you notice that this road up towards mid-gear between this match specifically has been completely one-sided? Like, when you hear John Moxley later on in the show, right? You hear him in his promo with William Regal. Even then, Moxley's still not giving credence to anything MJF's saying, and he's still playing that fake tough guy, and he's swiveling his arms, and I'm a tough guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip your guts out. I think he said that last night. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a typical boxing match that has blood on it because it, it wouldn't be interesting without it, right? But <laughs> it, it, it just amazes me how much MGF exposes how bad of a champion John Moxley usually is, regardless of what promotion he's in. If MGF, I hate using ifs. You guys know that about me. But if MGF does not win the AEW title at full gear, it's an indictment on that promotion. It's an indictment into that title. Because as many times as Excrement and Tony Schiavone want to tell you and Taz tell you that that's the most prestigious title of the business, bullshit. Because guess what? If the idea for Moxley to retain over MGF is so John Moxley have maybe a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom does what? What does that do? 
Yeah, you get some more marks to watch New Japan World. Awesome. How does that benefit AEW? How does that benefit them from going to the next level? That's my question to you. And you have everything you can tell about how great that guy is and what his potential could be and what he could bring business-wise is right there in that promo that he did with Part of My Take. It's up to Tony Khan. Tony Khan is going to show his hand uh, a week from Saturday in uh, New Jersey. Either he's going to go with the right decision and go with the hot hand, or we're going to do the song and dance where he played with favorites and John Moxley will retain. And it's as if nothing happens. So, that's that. There was other stuff on the show that I liked. Um, seeing Soraya on my TV is always a good thing. A more important thing is seeing her that she's getting cleared. Um, I'm very happy for her. Uh, it was seeing her emotion come through that. That I think that took a lot of bravery, bravery and courage. And I have a lot of respect for Soraya. And I always said that Soraya was my favorite uh, female performer in WWE. Outside of the four horsewomen when she was an active performer. And I'm happy for her that she's going to fight Britt Baker. And I don't have any issues with that. I think that's going to be a good match. The only thing I will say. And I think this also ties in with Tony Storm here. Is that this grudge match with Soraya and Britt is pegged higher than both of the subsequent title matches that are on this show. There's three women's matches, by the way, on full gear. You have Nyla Rose. You have uh, Nyla Rose against Jay Cargill. You got Tony Storm against Jamie Hayter. Is anybody going to care about either of those matches? There's no heat to it. There's heat in this match, but where does it go from there? I'm, I'm happy that Soraya... It's going to be back in the ring. She's looking the best she's ever looked. And I I'm, I have no doubts about what she's going to do in the ring. Uh, it, was, it was a really cool segment. So I thought that was really good. Outside of that, more nonsense and carnival shit. We have Jeff Jarrett now calling WWE a banana nose circus. So, uh, by the way, I wonder why a heel... Would need to take shots at WWE, knowing that's going to get a pop from that audience. Don't you notice that's counterproductive, or that's just me? We have the recipes of a clusterfuck at the beginning of the show. We have FTR and the Acclaim against the Gun Club against uh, Oh Swerving our mid, Oh Swerving our mid. <laughs> And guess who's the referee, ladies and gentlemen? Aubrey Edwards. Let's give her a big standing ovation. Nah, never mind. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> no, she, she's not worthy of applause. She's not. My God. what? It, it's, it's crazy that even her can make FTR matches unenjoyable. It, it's just amazing to me. Uh, Eddie Keeson, Ethan Page... Fine, no problem. I, I really didn't care for that match. Um, we had Jay Lethal against Trent Beretta in a Who Gives a Fuck About Me match later on the show. Jamie Hayter defeated Sky Blue. Regular TV match, no problem there. Um, 
always nice to see Renee on the screen, right? And um, again, this this episode of Dynamite wasn't as offensive or just eye rolling for me, where I wanted to pull my hair out. But again, I asked the question to you: Are you even more invested into buying and purchasing this pay per view coming out of what you saw last night? Because for me, it's still the same shit. We had the main event of Brian Danielson and Savvy Guevara two out of three falls match. Boy, you would think Tony Schiavone is reliving Flair and Steamboat watching that match. Holy shit, man. Talk about hyperbole. And then Excrement at the beginning of the show. Coming off the heels of the classic uh, match two weeks ago on Dynamite. It's Sammy Guevara and Brian Danielson, the best two out of three falls match. Oh my god, man. <laughs> Is the bar that low in AEW as far as what's good and what isn't? Really, that match two weeks ago on Dynamite was a classic? A classic. (laughs) Hyperbole Jones. Holy shit, man. And then let's let's take a look at this card here for uh, Full Gear. It's taking place at the Prudential Center. I'm going to do my best excrement impersonation here. Starting things off, we have a taxi match. It's Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal taking on Sting and Darby Allen. Following that, we got Soraya in her in-ring returns against the Doctor, Britt Baker, DMD. Following that, we have the AEW TBS Championship match. It's Jay Cargill against the, the Native Beast, Nyla Rose. Following that, we have a faded four-way January 6th appreciation match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. It's Chris Jericho against Brian Danson, Claudio Castagnoli, and the JS Sammy Guevara. Following that, we have the Matching for an interim AEW Women's World Championship. It's Tony Storm against Jamie Hayter. We have the finals of the AEW World Championship Eliminated Tournament. And the winner takes on the AEW World Champion at Winter is Coming. Following that, we have the AEW World Tag Team Championship. As this is acclaimed with Billy Gunn takes on Swerve Gordon, Keith Lee, and Swerve Strickland. And our main event is the AEW World Champion as John Moxley takes on the devil himself, MJF. Don't forget to get check out AEW Rampage as we got first round action in the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. We got Bandito against Rush. We got Brian Cage against Dante Martin. And for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, it's Orange Cassidy against Lee Johnson. Who wants to watch Rampage, everybody? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let's do that one more time. Let's start off from the beginning here for the full gear card. One, two, three, boom. Coming up, it's full gear. I'm... Oh, man. <laughs> I popped myself. I'm sorry for that. Let's start again. Okay, let's see. Let me get my dates right so I'm not flubbing this shit. All right, here we go. <laughs> Five, four, three, two. We're having fun here. I'm talking this Five, four, three, two, one. Go. Coming up Saturday, November 19th for the Prudential Center in New York, New Jersey. It's AEW Full Gear. First off, we have Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal taking on the team of Sting and Darby Allen. Following out, we've got a lethal grudge match. The return of Soraya. She's taking the Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Following out, we have the AEW TBS Championship match. It's Jay Cargill taking on the Nana Beast, Dial of Rose. Following that, we got a fatal four-way match for the Ring of Honor World Champion. It's the January 6th appreciator, Chris Jericho, putting his title on line against Brian Danielson. 
Claudio Castanoli, and Sammy Guevara. Following that, we have the interim AEW Women's World Championship match. It's Tony Storm taking on the Beast, Jamie Hayter. Checking that. After that, we got the AEW World Championship of the Eliminated Tournament. Nah, <laughs> I knew I was going to flood that one. We have the AEW World Championship Eliminated Tournament Final, where the winner will take on the AEW World Champion at Winter is Coming. After that, we have the Acclaim putting their AEW World Tag Team titles on the line, taking on Swerving Our Glory. And the main event, it's for the AEW World Champion, it's John Moxley taking on NJF. <laughs> oh, man. AEW is in a land of suck. And that, my friends... It's what the hell is wrong with AEW. I got I got a question. Are we still in AEW, WCW, or TNA? I, I need to figure it out. <laughs> Let me know on Twitter. That is what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Oh, man. What a fantastic show. For Brother Carter, I'm Joshi. This has been episode 335 of Whose Podcast is Always Be the Authentic Product That Is Yourself. And remember, nobody dictate the pace of your life for yourself and the man upstairs. You can follow me on Twitter at the Whose Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. Check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Make sure to follow along with Brother Carter's work at DerekStodd.com and WrestlingRivers.net. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Hope you guys enjoy Hard Times 3. We'll be back here next week to preview AEW mid-gear on pay-per-view. And this, my friends, has been another stellar edition of the Hoots Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy the weekend. Have some fun. We'll talk to y'all next week. I love y'all. Yes, sir.